up and done it. Oh, no, hell no, boy. Y'all done up and done it. Oh, no, hell no, man. Y'all done up and done it. Y'all done up and done it, man. Come on. My first song was like 48 bars with no hoes. You hear me flipping through my pages out my favorite notebook. The microphone was in the closet. No What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 6 DFS MVP podcast. I'm TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444 Football. This week, we got a special guest. But before we get into that, I want to give you guys the music that brought us in. That was Nappy Roots, Ah Nah, from their 2002 album, Watermelon Chicken and Grits. Great title for an album. If you like that song, if you like all the songs that bring us in each week, be sure to check out the DFS MVP Spotify playlist where we have all the intro music. I think it's the best intro music in the game, so be sure to check that out. Uh, as I mentioned, Holden is out this week. He's he's on the bench, but we got 4 for 4 contributor, the author of the weekly projected ownership column, Contrarian Stacks, Pat James. Pat, what's up, buddy? TJ. Uh, pleasure to be on long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah, man. Nice to have you. Uh, been crushing it on the, on the four for four grind this week or this year, uh, been putting out some monster plays and, and just doing well in DFS. So tell the, tell the listeners a little bit uh, about your, your background just in general and in DFS. All right. So I got started in fantasy. I, I created my own website with a buddy who was like a web developer. So he kind of mm-hmm. did like the back end stuff. Uh, it was called Fantasy Council, and that was like six or seven years ago, maybe even eight years ago. And I kind of parlayed that um, exposure into just like 15 different DFS writing gigs, Roto yeah. Grinders, Roto Viz, Project Roto, um, Football Guys, Fantasy Insiders, and a lot of it was college uh, and mm. pro. Uh, so now that college is back, I'm pretty pumped, but I can't play it in Pennsylvania. So, uh, Oh, man. Yeah, bittersweet. Bittersweet, They're just teasing you. Yeah, but it's been like a six year. I've been like uh, in the DFS space for like six years. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. And I've been familiar with your work for a long time. We actually did some work uh, together last year for for my site roster coach, and it's it's been fun. So happy to uh, have you on board at four for four, and happy to have you here this week. I think the listeners are really uh, going to enjoy what you have to say, and and for. For those that are new, uh, what we do each week is we go over our uh, our week, weekly plays. So we're going to talk about our week six plays, and we have a theory segment each week. Uh, this week, instead of a theory segment, we're trying something new. We have a few listener questions. Uh, they're still pretty theory-heavy, so it won't be uh, too far off of the regular path, but it should be a, uh, a fun little detour this week. But before we get into the pod, we do have some business to take care of. For those that have not yet signed up at 444 for our DFS MVP subscription, uh, you can get 25% off our DFS sub. Uh, it's It dropped down to $79 last week or two weeks ago. You can get $25, 25% off of that discounted price. If you sign up, use DFS MVP, the promo code DFS MVP, that'll get you 25% off. Uh, we've had some, some really great success from our, our listeners, from our subscribers, people reading our content, uh, using the lineup generator. We had a, a, a really nice comment this week from a user. Um, I won't give out his, his, he only gave us his FanDuel screen name. I know some people are protected of those, but uh, took down the, the $75 and the 222 single entry on FanDuel. And I, I believe those are both uh, five digit paydays. And it sounded like just straight from, from the podcast. So that was awesome to hear. Congratulations to that listener. Uh, make sure you guys, uh, Listen, subscribe, try to win those tournaments like he did. And if you are a podcast listener, every week we are giving away a free t-shirt. If you give us a five-star rating and a review, you'll automatically be entered to win a four for four t-shirt. Uh, they're, they're super soft, super comfy. I think they're super stylish. I wear them all the time. And we got a really big influx of uh, reviews this week. I don't know if, if our listener base is going up, going up or people are just enjoying the show, but whatever the reason is, I really appreciate it. And because we had so many, we're going to give away two t-shirts this week. So uh, T-N-E-Y, 
1115 and golfballer01. Hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and I'll hook you up with the details on how to get squared away there. And while you guys are leaving that rating and review, don't forget that 4 for 4 now has an iPhone or an iPad app that helps you set the highest scoring lineup every week and it helps you pick the highest scoring free agents for this week and for the rest of the season. It's free to download. All you have to do is search 4 for 4 or League Sync in the App Store. Existing Pro and DFS subs already get full access to all of the features in the app. If you haven't signed up yet, you get a free seven-day trial and you can sign up for full access to the website from the app. It's it's really great. I suggest you guys check it out. Uh, but uh, let's let's get into it now. Like I said, every week we go over our core plays for the main slate, followed up by our theory segment, which is this week listener questions. And week six is is an interesting one. We have uh, we have quite a few teams that have been popular um, Saints Packers to name a few pa- uh, Patriots that aren't on the main slate, but we still have three games with over unders of at least 50 points. The Tampa Bay Atlanta game has a 57.5 point over under. If it closes at 57.5, that'll be the highest over under we've had on the main slate last week. Pittsburgh and Atlanta dropped down to 57 before the week closed five teams projected for over 26 points. We have a game in London, so lots of interesting things going on. Let's get right into it. Uh, Pat, starting at quarterback, who do you like this week? Uh, yeah, first of all, pricing is super tight this week. Yes, uh, it is, especially in DraftKings. Huh? Yeah, DraftKings is always a little bit tighter than than FanDuel. However, this week I am going to roll uh, with Matt Ryan, 6,800 mm-hmm. on DK, 8,300 on FanDuel. Obviously, the Falcons have, as you just mentioned, the highest implied team total of the week at 30 and a half right now. Uh, an interesting note, Matt Ryan, when he is at home in the Dome as a favorite with a total in the game of 52 or more, he has 28 fantasy points per game. And that's in eight games uh, over the course of his career that mm-hmm. have met that criterion. So I think he's in a really good spot. Um, Tampa Bay's defense is dead last in four for fours, uh, adjusting fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. There's just, there's not really a hole you can poke in Matt Ryan this week. He exposes you to that entire Atlanta passing game. Like I said, it's tight. So, and when there's, um, a target share to go around of Julio, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu, Austin Hooper, the backs, it's really tough to pinpoint where those targets are going to go in a given week. So I think getting exposure to Matt Ryan, exposure to all those yards and touchdowns uh, from the passing game. So I think Matt Ryan is the way to go at quarterback if you can uh, pay up. Additionally, Tampa Bay's can't get after the quarterback. They are bottom eight in adjusted sack rate. So uh, he should have all day to throw. Yeah, that I mean, that's interesting because obviously he's he's the quarterback that, that stands out if we look at, at scoring expectation. Uh just overall for for the game and for the team and like you mentioned it's it's what our our boy run for johnny used to always say you want the the syrup over the pancakes right so if you if you roster matt ryan you don't have to try to figure out which pass catcher or which running back is going to score the points but uh you mentioned that that DraftKings does have really tight pricing this week so specifically on DraftKings, what when i'm in a situation like this i tend to want to pay down at quarterback Obviously, if you're going to pay up for Matt Ryan, 6800 is pretty expensive for a quarterback this week. What is, is there a specific position that that you're you're willing to sacrifice? No, it's Wednesday and you don't have to give away the farm yet. But what what is your roster construction looking like paying up for quarterback this week? Uh, in cash, I'm always uh, and I, I can break this rule, but I normally uh, for the last two years have paid down at wide receiver because mm-hmm. there's always uh, some value at wide receiver in that sure. four to five K range on DraftKings, five six K range on FanDuel. Um, the fact of the matter is, wide receiver is a volatile position from week to week. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins uh, hit far less. I did a study in the off season. Um, wide receiver hit rate uh, is is much lower for those top guys than it yeah. is for the high priced running backs. So I think uh, every week I'm trying to find like those four or five, six K guys on DraftKings and FanDuel that are going to fill up my lineup at wide receiver. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I mean, I've been, I've been guilty of it in the past and 
in theory, it makes it, it's so obvious that wide receivers they get less targets. Obviously, they're not catching all of their targets, so less touches than running backs. Obviously, than quarterbacks. Uh, so they're going to be higher variance. But uh, people get sucked into these games, and we see these crazy high ownerships, and and it's uh, it's it's obviously not justified. And you talked about Matt Ryan at home. It's something that I mentioned in in this week's recap. So many people were, were talk, always talk about the the Pittsburgh uh, home road splits and and the reason I bring up Pittsburgh is because that's who they played last week. But uh, on the road or out not on the road, but outside of a dome over the last two years, the Falcons' offense has averaged fifty less yards and one more one less touchdown. So the fifty yards isn't huge, but one less touchdown over the course of of three seasons, uh, if we're looking at averages, that's a pretty big difference. So definitely worth talking about uh atlanta's home road splits i'm gonna stay in this game when i'm looking at my quarterback because of what i talked about i I want somebody that's that's priced down so uh james winston's at 5800 on DraftKings, 7400 on fanduel you have you have a little more wiggle room on fanduel so i'm not uh completely opposed to to going up to matt ryan and their their pricing is a little bit closer nine hundred dollars versus a thousand dollars but on four for four, Jameis is the top value on both sides. You talked about Matt Ryan, how much they've been passing. Both of these offenses rank in the top 10 in neutral passing rate. When I say neutral passing rate, I'm talking about uh, when the game is within a single score, within seven points either way. Uh, both offenses in the top 10, both defenses have been very vulnerable to the pass. I think we have them both ranked 27th or worse in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, we know that Atlanta has injuries all over the place on defense and, and we've seen that manifest in, in the past few weeks, three or four weeks. The thing that's really interesting, Jameis had, had a, a not great game coming in uh, before Tampa Bay's bye, but, but the game conditions are pretty out of hand already. What's interesting for me in this game is everybody was on Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier in the year. Tampa Bay was lighting up the scoreboard, throwing deep to Deshaun, throwing deep to Mike Evans. But last year, Tampa Bay actually threw deep at a higher rate when Jameis Winston was in the game. So a lot of people probably aren't going to remember that. They're going to think that they can't continue to catch the lightning in the bottle that Fitzpatrick had. But but this offense took more risks with Winston, and, and I, I think probably we'll see that carry over into the season, the offense that we've seen early in the year, obviously not uh, as efficient as they've been, but at least as aggressive. And against this defense, I have no problem rostering Winston, even though we haven't seen it yet this year. But these guys are going to be really popular. And one thing I talk about in my uh, slate breakdowns each week is the fact that there are some situations where we have these popular games and people are going to be on on multiple players, the running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends in these high scoring close games, the potential shootouts. Uh, but that is a high risk play. If the top values are all from just one or two games or, or two or three games, you're going to have a lot of game stacks, a lot of team stacks. And sometimes that might not be ideal for cash. It, it might be the best value, but it also is, is higher variance and lowers your floor in theory. So if you're playing something like a, a 50-50 or a double up where you're looking to to maximize just your floor, those extra points don't really matter like they do in head-to-head, you can make a a, a justification for, for getting off the best values in a vacuum in these highest scoring games. But at the quarterback position, Pat, is there any reason to get off of these two guys? Uh, I don't think so. And I think um, kind of alluded to it earlier, a way to minimize variance is to not have, you know, Sanu or Ridley or or Julio in this Mm -hmm. game in your cash lineup with Matt Ryan or in Jameis's case, Evans, um, when you're just trying to create that floor in a 50-50 or double up, Mm -hmm. uh, just not pairing them with a pass catcher uh, is is a good way to eliminate some of that uh, that variance. I do. I don't think I would fault anyone for playing Cam in a cash mm-hmm. game. He's had two terrible games this year and has finished with eighteen around eighteen uh, DraftKings or FanDuel points in both games. So I think his floor, we've seen his floor, and his floor yeah. is like three x at his current price uh, on DraftKings, two point five x on FanDuel. So I think I wouldn't fault anybody for playing Cam. Yeah, I mean Cam. The thing about Cam is you're getting a passing touchdown. Every week, just 
by starting him because of his rushing yards. He's averaging 40 yards per game on the ground, which is pretty consistent with where he's been over his career. So that that Konami code that we've liked to call it in the past, you're getting a free passing touchdown of fantasy points. So even if he stinks it up in the air, which he does quite often, uh, doesn't often show up in the fantasy points column. Moving on to running back, uh, there is one injury to monitor that popped up. I think it was just today. Uh, Devonte Freeman has a new injury, a foot injury, and it looks like he's already doubtful for Sunday. So we're going already going back to the game that we talked about the Falcons and the Buccaneers. It looks like Tevin Coleman has potential to, he, he's not priced all the way down, but we don't have a lot of value this week. So that's something that we want to keep an eye on. Cause uh, there really isn't a lot of value at running back Freeman. If Freeman is out, Coleman obviously, opens up a huge opportunity but uh what running back are are you looking at on both sides this week uh yeah i'm gonna stay with that panthers team and Mm -hmm. we're gonna look at christian mccaffrey 8300 on dk 8400 on FanDuel. the thing that stuck out to me the most about mccaffrey is the offensive line and defensive line play in this game the panthers are rated on football outsiders as the top offensive line they are seventh in power and uh first and stuffed rate so basically what that means is they're not allowing penetration and they're converting their uh, third and fourth and shorts and all their goal line so that means the chains are moving there's more plays for McCaffrey which is important because the Panthers don't run uh, at an up-tempo pace so the fact that they're converting those short yardage situations is huge to keep that offense on the field and then on the opposite end of that conversely Washington is third to last uh, as football outsiders defensive line in those two stats stuff percentage and um and power rank so you're going to you have a an offensive line that is pretty much going to manhandle a defensive line in terms of um just getting a push off the ball when they are running the ball and McCaffrey's game script independent you know he's he game flow doesn't matter to him he's going to get the clock burning carries in the second half or he's going to get 16 checkdowns uh if the game gets out of hand one way or the other and if it stays close then he's on the field for 100 percent of snaps almost every game um, he has a 24 percent market share of pass of cam's passing targets so i think at 8300 on DraftKings and 8400 on FanDuel, he's another one of those guys that just has a extremely high floor. He may he's probably not going to have the ceiling of uh, Todd Gurley because he's probably not he doesn't have the touchdown equity, um, but he's he's not going to uh, kill your lineup. Yeah, the the Panthers are are so weird to me because when you look at them, you see McCaffrey, uh, you got Cam, Devin Funches is is not great, but he's a he's a big red zone target. Uh, a couple of explosive receivers, at least in DJ Moore, and it, it looks like an offense that you think should be explosive, but they just play so slow, and and they always have a a low implied point total. On DraftKings, it it Christian McCaffrey is almost always going to crush value. On FanDuel, are you ever worried about rostering him because one, you're not getting the full PPR, two, you're not getting the bonus, and their touchdown equity is low, like the the FanDuel relies so much on touchdown equity because of their scoring system that running backs, if if they have red zone touches, they could leapfrog these high volume players. Or are you just straight, give me the floor that he offers? Yeah, uh, this week, I think with the discrepancy in offensive line, yes. But if this was any other week, I don't think I've ever played Christian McCaffrey in cash on FanDuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week, I think we're going to see them pretty much attack the Redskins on the ground like they did the Bengals. Uh a couple weeks ago so this week yes other weeks definitely not yeah that makes a lot of sense and as i mentioned we don't have a lot of glaring values especially at running back this week so i'm going right back to the tj yeldon well uh 6400 on DraftKings, 7100 on fanduel not super cheap but we need to save some money somewhere and in the last two weeks with Fournette out yeldon's averaging over 19 touches per game jacksonville is favored in this game and that's something that always favors running backs. Obviously you want that, that good game flow. Uh, Dallas is, they're just middling in fantasy points to, to running backs this year. So not a great matchup, but not a, a bad matchup either. A uh, game that we're probably expecting a, a pretty low total. in. I, I can't imagine that the Jaguars are going to keep asking Blake Bortles to throw it 60 times. And then when we, when we look at these other values, priced below 5,000 like there just 
isn't a lot to to hang your hat on, at least in cash games. Uh, we have Latavius Murray, but you have to worry about Minnesota um, passing the ball so much. They've barely ran the ball this year. Uh, Chris Carson, there, there's there's question marks in the Seattle backfield of who's going to carry the load. Uh, Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell, they're basically in a timeshare. They both had big games last week, but it was actually uh, Powell that outtouched Crowell. Is there any punt play? Philip Lindsay, I guess, is one. Is there any punt play at running back that you're even considering in, in cash games? Because I don't really like any of them. Uh, not really. I think Naheem Hines uh, presents mm-hmm. some value at 5,100 on DraftKings because yeah. because of his PPR upside uh, and the fact that they're going to be down some pass catchers. But honestly, I think this is a week too. And, and I do like Chris Carson. Uh, he's definitely um, someone who is uh, on the on the last of my list for for cash game running backs, mm-hmm. especially especially since how cheap uh, how cheap he is and the Raiders' run defense is pretty atrocious. So, um, but but like you said, you're gonna ha- you have to take a, a flyer on is Mike Davis going to vulture touches at some point there and it, he has you know he last week he he punched one in so it's a tough call but at 4400 i think even if he even if he just gets the yardage and a couple catches he's he's okay on DraftKings and and on FanDuel especially since uh you don't have to worry about that that PPR upside i i like that you brought up how bad the Raiders are one because i like bagging on the Raiders uh and two because <laughs> They just left to uh, to London. We're recording this Wednesday. I think they're leaving in the morning, Thursday. So they're going from the west coast of the United States to London. We when usually teams have they they usually have a game on the east coast beforehand, stay there, and still leave a week early. The Raiders are going to try to play on basically two days of of jet lag no time to catch up they're going to be zombies on the field we've talked about the uh west coast teams playing on the east coast in in games now it's ramped up all the way to across the atlantic ocean like i think this is a narrative that i don't know if people are going to pay attention to it enough but raiders might get blown out in this game yeah, I actually think this is going to be uh, usually these games at Wembley. Uh, usually, first of all, usually they're not on the main slate because they're at nine in the morning. But uh, thank God it's not this week, right? Uh, so, I think this game I actually think is going to be. I've already made up my mind that I'm probably taking the over in this game. Um, yeah, they're usually like sloppy sixteen to ten games mm-hmm. in London, and, and I think this game has the chance to to not be that. In fact. Uh, contrarian stacks has has a little piece of this game uh coming out tomorrow so keep your eye very out for that. very nice teaser to go back to the four for four website before we move on to wide receiver is there any way that you're paying for todd Gurley in cash on DraftKings? uh to be honest probably yeah, in in gpps i'll find a way but i yeah, just for sure. I, I just think he, he just makes your lineup too thin in multiple places yeah. like you're rostering ryan griffin and niles paul in the flex mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. get Gurley in here and it's just it just doesn't work out yeah he's he still registers as as our top value um at running back and overall on the main slate on DraftKings, we don't rely on a on a points per dollar uh, value system because that, that's a, a linear way of thinking about value. So in a vacuum, he's still technically underpriced. Like you just his usage and and touchdown equity is so high that you almost can't price him up enough. But like you said, you have to, you can't look at players in a vacuum in DFS. You have to look at what it does to your lineup. And I just can't figure out a way where paying for him in cash is viable uh so we're we're in agreement there yeah, moving on to oh go ahead no i was gonna say and i think like certain weeks a 10k girly is in play sure. um you know if when you have some free squares right right yeah if there's a couple in, if there's a couple injuries uh when i, mean, I remember last year giovanni bernard was like 3.8k at one point mm-hmm. mixon was a late scratch and he went for like 22 the, those weeks you can get you can jam a 10k girly and this yeah. week it's this week it's it's pretty impossible yeah, and there's there's definitely some psychological aspect to it too because we've we've pretty consistently jammed in like 9500 Gurley, 9500 DJ, 9500 uh, Le'Veon in the past, right? So if you have a couple values, that five hundred dollars really isn't that big of a difference. Just that seeing those five digits on a salary is pretty jarring. 
but yeah, this week, uh, I, I don't think it's a good idea. And it's almost like, I, I almost feel like DraftKings might have manually bumped it up as a ploy just to have people talking about the price. Because when you see that 10000 it's it is a, a huge talking point. Uh, but but I'm definitely in agreement with you. Uh, let's go ahead and and move on to wide receivers. You have a couple low price guys that haven't really popped yet that you like. Uh, yeah, and I kind of alluded to that earlier. Usually, my cash game builds will feature low priced wide receivers because I'm trying to to get all the touches I can at at running back, which I usually have three uh, with the flex spot on. Uh, FanDuel and DraftKings now. So uh, I'm going to take a look at John Brown. Yeah. Uh, 5,500 on DK, 6,300 on FanDuel. And the things that, that stuck out to me were re- really his A dot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of air yards, uh, shout out to Herms Meyer. He's third in the league in, uh, in market share on his team. So he has a 43% market share of all of Flacco's targets. Uh, and that is, good for third best in the league and he's first in the league in total air yards and we throw this term around a lot air yards mm-hmm. basically it's it's how uh the distance that his targets have traveled and uh when you have these uh deep shots oftentimes it, 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 there's variance uh in in their fantasy points from week to week just because the deeper the target, uh, the lower the catch rate, um, right? Jarvis Landry is sure. going to catch all of his 15 targets last year because they were all uh, five-yard hitches and, and seven-yard slants. But John Brown uh, is doing a really good job of, of hauling in these passes. He saw 14 targets last week. He's tied with Crabtree for total targets on the team at 19%. And the Titans uh, are ranked 25th in adjusted fantasy points. Uh, to wide receivers. So I think, and the other thing that actually stuck out to me too, is he's, uh, he has, he's tied for the lead in red zone target market share mm-hmm. on the Browns, not your typical red zone receiver, you know, not a big, big bodied box him out wide receiver. He's a uh, little speedy John Brown, but he's also getting a ton of looks in the red zone too. So at 5,500, I think this week with how tight pricing is jamming in, expensive running backs. Uh, John Brown's definitely worth a look in cash, definitely in tournaments. Yeah. I actually have a few interesting ideas about this because John Brown typically hasn't been a player that you even consider in cash games because of the style of his game. And, and I think that is a, a cognitive bias that has definitely tripped me up in the past. Just when you, when you have that name in your head that you don't play him in cash games, Deshaun Jackson's kind of been the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the classic don't play him in cash. Then even when you should, uh, I tend to avoid it. And I think there are some, some tripping points for people this week because Michael Crabtree is priced below John Brown pretty significantly on DraftKings. I think they're a little bit closer on FanDuel, but $800 cheaper on, on DraftKings. But like you mentioned, the the intrigue in Crabtree has always been that he's dominated red zone targets. So even if he isn't getting a ton of deep balls, he, he's been a target monster that has touchdown upset. Him and John Brown are tied with five red zone targets. And like you said, John Brown's getting the, the deeper targets, uh, so even though Crabtree is is he's cheaper and seen as many targets as John Brown, usually that'd be a obvious he's the better value. But I actually think John Brown's still a better play be, despite being uh, $800 more. And you talked about air yards, and I, I did just want to mention that today we launched the the air yards browser on four for four. So like you said, we we've, we've been talking about a a bunch um, on this podcast in our articles. It's, it's kind of swept the industry by storm. Everybody talks about air yards, air yards, air yards. Uh, A lot of people probably one, don't know where to find them. uh, And two, just don't exactly know what they mean. So pretty excited to have that tool on four for four now, because uh, it's, it's, it's really valuable in all of Josh's, uh, calculations, racer, whopper, they're on there as well. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. I think I'm excited about it. Who else do you like uh, this week in DFS? Uh, yeah, this this is a. It, I think it's not as thin of a play as it's going to sound. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people listening may not even know who this is. Uh, <laughs> Chester Rogers, uh, yeah. Indianapolis Colts, 4,500 on DK, 5,700 on FanDuel has seen 11 targets in his last two games. Um, if T.Y. is out for sure. 
I think that he is a slam dunk at 4,500 on on DK especially, but even uh, 5,700 on FanDuel is plenty cheap uh, for value. He has become uh, almost like that intermediate route uh, safety valve for Andrew Luck. Uh, He's, I think he was eight for 80 uh, last week. Mm dropped a touchdown too. And like those things that you don't see uh, if you don't watch the game that just don't show up in the box score. He, I don't exactly have um, what his, like his weight, you just said Whopper, his weighted opportunity would be, but I'm pretty sure it's, it would have been high for last week um, based on the fact that he, he dropped a couple uh, easy passes. That being said, the Colts, are ranked first in that chart that you love to to tweet out the neutral pass rate. They're mm-hmm. passing, yep. I think it was like 74% in when the game's within a score, they're still passing the ball 74% of the time. Yeah, that's Sa- insane. Same thing for the red zone. Like they just yep. don't, they don't trust Wilkins or Hines uh, or Turbin to slam the ball into the end zone. They, they just don't give their running backs carries when they are in the, in the red zone and they are throwing the ball a ton. So I just think there is a ton of upside and a pretty safe floor, believe it or not, for uh, Chester Rogers. Yeah, I mean, you you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention that that passing rate. It's insanely high. Um, and even if Ty plays, I mean, he's he seems pretty banged up. He might be he might be like decoy status even if he plays. Yeah. And and the the Colts are underdogs. They throw at a ridiculously high rate. Uh, I'm sure the Jets are going to try to slow this game down a little bit, but I mean, after after uh, Ebron, if Hilton's banged up, they don't really have anyone else to throw to, and all they do is throw. So this is another bias that I think people, especially the the hashtag fantasy Twitter community, uh, really has a problem playing untalented players. Chester Rogers, he's a, guy, yeah. he's a small guy, and usually at least small guys are like fast and stretch the field. But he's not even really that fast. His like route running's okay, but this is where you just kind of have to close your eyes and follow the volume, right? Yeah, uh, especially in cash, if you can project out for, for at his price anywhere near double digit targets, which I think is a reality. Um, I think he's he really is a slam dunk. Yeah, uh, and and you said the eleven targets in the last two games. That's eleven targets in each of the last two games. So that's that's massive volume. Uh, I like that call a lot. I am going to do exactly what you said not to do and pay up for wide receiver this week. I I went hard on Julio last week and it didn't work. Uh, but I'm I'm going back to the well. I. I think there's probably a way because he's priced down on, especially on DraftKings. This is uh, the second biggest price drop at wide receiver uh, from last week to this week uh, that we've seen. He his price dropped by eight hundred dollars, uh, dropped by three hundred dollars on Fanduel, but it's way more drastic on DraftKings. So you have you have a wide receiver that is seeing the same volume as these other elite receivers. But he's priced down, especially if you compare him to the likes of of Thielen and Antonio Brown, who are at 8,500 and 8,700 respectively. You get Julio sub 8K with a 30% target share. Uh, we're going back to the air yards. He leads the league in team market share of air yards. And the Buccaneers are last in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And that is the one um, schedule adjusted fantasy point that we can be a little cautious about because it looks at the whole secondary and doesn't take into account individual match matchups, but Tampa Bay doesn't have a cornerback or a cornerback and a safety combo that can really hold down Julio Jones. And if you want to write out the narrative street, um, this is where Julio went big last year. I think he had 52 DraftKings points against Tampa Bay last year. Uh, this time it's going to be at home. Obviously team versus team splits are, are not a good uh, primer to base all of your decisions on, but it's definitely fun to to think about and talk about. And Julio has to find the end zone at some point, right? He's getting so yeah. much opportunity in this offense, and I just feel like there's a weird, um, like like even this year, we're, we're only five weeks into the season. There's just this sense that people think Julio is like inconsistent or not good. He already has two twenty point games this year. He only had three all of last year, and his his volumes through the roof um, are. I mean, if, if for some, like, say, uh, 
I don't know, Freeman's out. You you play your two cheap receivers. Um, is there any way that you would pay up for Julio? Yeah, and I think a point that uh, we can make here is we've we've uh, talked about how we want that safe floor for cash games. We just want to get above that 50 percentile mark in 50-50s or the 55 percentile mark in um, double-ups. If you're playing mm-hmm. head-to-head, you kind of want a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? You want a little bit uh, more upside because if you're only winning 50-55% of your 50-50s or double-ups, then that's fine if you if you have that, that percentile lineup in, in those games. But when you're playing multiple head-to-heads, a high-volume head-to-heads, you, the upside allows you to uh, capture, uh, you know, 70-80%. So I think... Mm-hmm. I think this week you could you could definitely create two cash game lineups, uh, one with Julio uh, for head to heads and one without, um, just to eliminate the variance in double ups. Yeah, that's that's a point I've been drive I've been trying to drive home for the better part of three years, and I feel like it's it just falls on deaf ears because I see even some of the best players in the world with their same lineups and we'll get matched up in head to heads and I always just kind of scroll my other contests, 50 fifties or double ups and, and they have the same lineup. And it's like you said, like you only need a high floor in these double ups and 50 fifties. You could win. You could have, if you only play head to heads and you embrace a little bit of variance, you can have these days where like you, you win every head to head. Like someone has to do it at some point, right? Like somebody's going to have the best head to head lineup. So you should at least give yourself a chance. Like why barely break even give yourself a chance to have that day where you, you double your money. Um, but it, I mean, even though you have a, a higher variance lineup, you're in a lower variance game, right? Because you're going to recognize the true, um, the true ROI on your lineup. So I, I think people get really hesitant about it, about stacking. Um, but man, it's, it's definitely worth it. I am going to drop down a little bit in, in value looking at my receivers, but I think this is also a somewhat of an upside play because of his red zone volume. And this guy's my, my new Eric Decker. I think 2015, it was like you just, you just closed your eyes and rolled out Eric Decker, especially on FanDuel. And I think Cooper Cup is turning into that guy this year. He's only 6,500 on DraftKings, 6,800 on FanDuel. Uh, on FanDuel, those red zone targets are are so promising, and they they save your cash game lineup so much. That's that's how you win on FanDuel. Cooper Cup's fifth in the league in red zone targets on the team that probably has more touchdown equity than any team in the league. He's tied for the team lead in targets, which doesn't say much because that's probably going to change throughout the year. We have the the, the Rams play Cup, uh, Cooks, and Woods pretty much on every snap and they spread the ball pretty evenly. They all have target shares over 20%, but that almost makes it easier to me because if you have these high equity guys in a high volume offense, then why not just take the cheapest one? And Cooper cup continues to be the cheapest one. Uh, so he is obviously the best value in my eyes. And then you you're tying yourself to a quarterback that leads the league in fantasy points per pass attempt, which is a, is a pretty good primer of what you can expect from an offense because from our quarterbacks, we want efficiency, and that's obviously going to trickle down uh, to our pass catchers. And then the the great thing about Cooper Cup or any of his teammates is that they're just going to cannibalize each other's ownership because probably for mm-hmm. the rest of the season, unless there's some major injuries, they're, they're all going to see similar target shares. They're probably going to bounce back and forth between the who scores the most each week. But no one's – I mean, most people – aren't just going to go all in on one of these guys. Uh, and you're pretty much going to be able to get all of these receivers at like about 10% every week. Yeah. I think it's super tough based on their, their uh, price points uh, mm-hmm. on both sites to, to really have like a, a game stack here, right? Uh, cup sure. is cup 6,500 on DraftKings, 6,800 on FanDuel. Uh, Robert Woods is even more expensive than him. Brandon cooks is even more expensive than him. So, and, and Goff, I think, is around 6K on DK, and I'm not 100% sure of his price on FanDuel, but that's a ton of cap space taken up if mm-hmm. you're going to game stack. And then uh, you run it back with Manny Sanders, he's priced up. So, I think what you said is perfect. They cannibalize these on each other's ownership. You can roll out a bunch of lineups with a bunch of different um, stacks uh, with Cook with cooks cup would sink uh singled out and mm-hmm. and hopefully hit on the right one 
Yeah, so this is a, a pretty unique situation, and I always I always like your takes on how you manage your players, especially in in tournaments. Uh, it's it's a pretty well known concept that that you take your core and, and shuffle them um, shuffle them around your tournaments. But this is a really unique situation where we have these three guys that can basically be tournament winners each week. In when we have a team like this, I don't I don't we probably haven't really had a team like this since. The, the Peyton Manning Broncos with um with mm-hmm. with Decker uh Demarius and then who was their third guy on that team uh Julius Thomas yeah. um but we haven't had a situation like this where we have to choose three guys are you on a weekly basis say you you like the Rams passing game shuffling all three throughout your lineups or are you kind of planting your flag on just one or two of them and, and hoping it hits uh I, see from week to week it depends sometimes mm-hmm. I will um have a core of stacks that I like that I'm shuff mm-hmm. that I'm shuffling uh singular plays around or uh, sometimes it's a week where I like singular plays mm-hmm. a little bit more and that makes up my core and I'm shuffling around stacks that I like uh so I think it just depends it depends on the week there'll be weeks where I'll I'll plant my flag uh on on a single Rams wide receiver but then there'll be weeks where I am uh, rotating them throughout yeah, the the way I kind of think about it is like how many stacks do you like? And if you only say for whatever reason there's a week you only like three or four stacks, it's going to be way easier to to just kind of sprinkle Cup, Cooks, and um, and Woods into your lineups because there just aren't that many bases to cover. Whereas if you if you have seven or eight stacks you like, it's probably a little harder to mix and match all of them with all of your other combinations. So maybe that's a week uh, to plant the flag, but. Uh, that's a lot of talk about wide receivers. Let's go ahead and move on to tight end. And you like probably the best play on the slate. Who is that? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go a little chalky here. He's definitely going to be the highest owned tight end in cash, mm-hmm. I would imagine. And that's Cameron Bray. Uh 3,700 on DraftKings, 4,500 in FanDuel. We already said they're on the fast track in the dome. Um Highest total on the slate. They have a implied total. The Bucks have an implied total of 27. Uh, the game is just projected to be a back and forth shootout. Obviously, the the big the big news is OJ Howard uh, mm-hmm. probably isn't going to play. I actually saw that he they he has an MCL sprain, which usually uh, holds people up for a long for at least a few weeks. He was actually back at practice today with a brace on, but they said he was just doing light work. So I would assume yeah. that he sits this week. He had a 13% target share that's up for grabs. I would assume most of that goes to Bray. It's just cheap exposure to this game. Uh, he's 3,700 on DraftKings, 4,500 on FanDuel. He is, when he was healthy and he, he and Jameis were connecting, he's uh, a pretty big threat in the red zone. They love looking at him over the middle. Uh, and Back to your neutral pass rate. Tampa Bay is sixth in red zone neutral pass rate. So they're slinging the ball a ton in the red zone, which makes sense. I mean, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, I much rather trust uh, the passing game in the red zone there. Yeah, and and we already talked about up top kind of shuffling your shares based on who you have exposure to um, in this game already, whether you're looking for for a, a ceiling or a floor. Uh, on DraftKings, if you're already heavy on, on Tampa Bay, say you play Jameis, you don't want to stack. Uh, Austin Hooper is almost a perfect pivot at 3,500. On Fandle, the discrepancy is pretty big. Austin Hooper's 5,600 to, uh, compared to Brate's 4,500. So I don't, I don't think you need to get cute uh, on Fandle. But DraftKings, you do have some, some flexibility there if you want to stay in that game. I, I generally don't pay up for a tight end. Uh, and I, I definitely won't in cash games, but I, I have to mention Eric Ebron as my tight end this week. I, I made a joke early in the week on Twitter. Uh, it's crazy that we're in a world where Eric Ebron's the highest priced tight end. He's 5,400 on DraftKings, 6,500 on FanDuel. Uh, that, that's a, a little contrived because we have the big three tight ends, not even on the main slate, right. uh, but it's still, it's still fun to talk about. But since Ebron took over as a full-time starter or since Doyle has not been playing Ebron's second in the league in targets behind only Adam Thielen uh, and that's overall he's third in red zone targets for the entire season you talked about the Colts uh, neutral passing rate passing rate in the red zone and you talked about T.Y. Hilt not being there so between Ebron and and Chester Rogers I think you're going to get a, a ton of targets and again 
Ebron probably isn't a play that you, you probably don't want to pay up for tight end in cash games because it is such a high variance position, but you're getting wide receiver one volume out of Ebron right now with the touchdown upside. So you have to have him in your player pool and, and mm-hmm. in some respect, maybe if you're playing a, a slate with uh, with just not the main slate, uh, but playing a smaller slate, you might want to maybe sprinkle some Ebron in even into cash games because usually the smaller slates give you a little more flexibility with salary. Yeah, and I think the fact that he is the priciest uh, tight end on the slate is a good thing because that mm-hmm. probably will quell his ownership a little bit. I mean, you have a guy coming off a nine-catch, 100-yard, two-touchdown game, uh, and he's probably going to be under-owned based on mm-hmm. the fact that he is Eric Ebron and he is the highest-priced tight end on the slate. is just going to drive some people off of him. But yeah, I think, yeah, it- it's a great call. And in these weeks, it's just hard to get to those middle salary ranges because you're you're really when when ranges are so tight, like often people are just looking for if there's one or two punts, you're gonna have to gravitate towards those, and it's really gonna put you into a, a, a stars and scrubs lineup. So that six thousand range on either side often gets really overlooked. Uh, let's go ahead and and talk about a couple of defenses that we like. Yeah, this is kind of a cop-out. The Bears have just been ridiculous. They're not the most expensive uh, defense on DraftKings or FanDuel. 3,300 on DraftKings, 4,500 on FanDuel. First and adjusted sack rate. They are just relentless at getting after the quarterback. Cleo Mack is a strip sack machine. He's uh, knocking the ball, and a lot of people don't know this, if when uh, Cleo Mack or whomever just knocks the ball out of uh, a quarterback's hand that counts as a sack and a fumble uh, mm-hmm. as long as they recover it. So that there's just a ton of points um, to go around from the Spares defense. The, the Dolphins are 28th in offensive line sacks allowed. So it's just the stars are aligning for Tannehill to just get uh, beat up in this game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a cop-out because the Vikings were – the cop out a couple weeks ago against the bills and we saw how that turned out. Right. So, I mean, defense, defense is, is high variance. Like there's no, uh, there's no sure thing in football at all, but especially with defenses. But I think that the bears, because of all the reasons you mentioned, people should be thinking about them every single week because the way fantasy points are produced from your defense is exactly what you talked about. Getting pressure on the quarterback that turns to sacks, fumbles, and uh, often interceptions. Ryan Tannehill, fourth highest interception rate of quarterbacks on the main slate. I'm I'm going to go with a little bit of a price saving option here. The Ravens are the Ravens are the only defense that stand out that is a favorite and affordable on both sides. The 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 sites have been pretty. Um, they they've varied pretty pretty high in their defensive pricing this year. So. The Ravens are 2800 on DraftKings, $4,000 on FanDuel. Uh, they're the favorites, as I mentioned, against the Titans, who are projected for only 19 points. Marcus Mariota, the fourth highest interception rate uh, among starters this week with a minimum of 100 passes. So I, I think probably uh, if, if you're looking to just find an affordable defense that has a pretty high floor, the Ravens are that team. Uh, fantasy football season has started, and we have partnered with with DraftKings to bring you a 4 for 4 membership for free. All you have to do is go to 4for4.com slash DraftKings. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, dot com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions. You'll get full access to our rankings, our lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, and all the other features on our plan all for $5, which you can deposit and enter into any contest on DraftKings to potentially win more money. We're excited to bring you this deal. If you want access right away, go to 444.com slash DraftKings. That's the number four, F-O-R, the number four, dot com slash DraftKings and follow the instructions. Pat, every week we do a theory segment here on the DFS MVP podcast and we thought it'd be fun to do some, some listener questions and we got a few this week. And there, a lot of these are right up your alley. Uh, you like talking about uh, player pools and, and ownership. Uh, the first one we got is from Jayhawk Chalk eighty nine. He says, "I'm strictly a cash player, but I've started to throw a few darts in small tournaments. The twenty five cent uh, with six x pool. Do you suggest throwing in at least one cash lineup into each tournament, given that the lineup will have a higher floor?" And I'm going to add on to that. How do you? approach that i've talked about it a a little bit on this pod but it's it's nice to get um a different perspective 
Yeah, I mean, first things, I'm not 100% sure if I understand that question. Like, is he throw? Is he asking me if, he, if he's putting a cash lineup in every level of entry or just his cash lineup is going into a tournament? If that's the case, yeah. I mean, you have to, if you're, if your cash lineup is the nuts and mm-hmm. you, you're only you're only two xing your money, then you're probably uh, not going to have uh, a fun Sunday or Monday, right? Yeah. If you, so yeah, you you have to put your cash lineup in a tournament. Um, what type of tournament? I've always struggled with um, mm-hmm. because the, the question is single entry or three max. The, sure. Your cash lineup is probably going to look like a lot of those lineups in those mm-hmm. tournaments. Uh, on the other hand, the lineups that win mass multi-entry are usually um, have a, a unique player or two in them, right? right. So it's probably not going to look like your cash lineup. Um, I think three max and at a somewhat at the highest stakes that you feel comfortable with would probably Mm be uh my suggestion based on the fact that your roi on that um would would be uh higher uh, with respect to uh playing at a low dollar tournament Mm -hmm. so i just think um it's it's something that I don't have the specific data to, uh, mm-hmm. but I definitely you definitely have to put your cash game in a tournament lineup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely a conundrum if you're a smaller stakes or low volume player, right? Because if you're playing say twenty dollars a week, um, it you should not be putting your cash lineup in twenty dollars worth of tournaments or a twenty dollar tournament. You're 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 really um, giving yourself very high risk when it comes to your bankroll for that week. And if you, if you abide by that week in and week out, uh, you can have a very profitable cash lineup and, uh, lose on the season because if those tournaments, uh, uh dig into your ROI, the, the generic advice I, I try to give is what is the, the smallest entry at the highest buy-in that you can afford, um, while still sticking to whatever your bankroll strategy is. So if you're playing 80, 20, 10, uh, which is 80% cash, 20% tournaments, uh, with 10% of your, your total bankroll in play, whatever that calculation is, look for, for the smallest tournaments. And I think the mistake that people make is they only scroll those featured contests, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously you're, you're going to see these contests with hundreds of thousands of people and you might only be able to afford $2 in, in tournaments that week, but get out of those, look in the multipliers. Like if you're, if you're bankroll is such that you're only playing $20 a week. If you play a tournament that is under the multipliers or, but you still turn whatever your $2 into $250, that's a big boost to your bankroll. Uh, and, and that's going to snowball if you keep abiding by those bankroll strategies. Now, if you are, are playing, I don't know, a little bit higher, say you have a hundred dollars, yeah, maybe take one dollar and and put your your cash lineup in a, right. in a slightly bigger tournament. But if you're playing really small stakes um, and you're only playing say twenty dollars a week, even playing two or three dollars in a big tournament with your cash lineup can be pretty detrimental to your ROI. That three dollars represents a pretty big percentage of that twenty dollars. And and I know it's 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 not fun and it's not sexy. Uh, we only have seventeen weeks uh, in the NFL. But if you're playing multiple slates and you only have a hundred dollar bankroll. You can grind that up to a pretty respectable number because eventually you are going to hit on, on some pretty nice uh, caches. So that's what I, I try to suggest. My generic strategy is look for the the highest uh, possible upside, but the lowest yeah. player pool. Because what was... I, kind of my sweet spot, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Kind of my no. sweet spot, I think once you get between like 100 and 150 entrants, you're going to have a pretty hard time taking down a tournament with a cash right. lineup. There's actually uh, a tournament on DraftKings. It was either last year or two years ago. It was called the Double Bubble, and I love to mm-hmm. put my cash yeah. lineup in this yep. in this tournament. It was basically like a double up, like 45% of the field yep. got paid out. But the top like 20 or 30 entries um, got a huge portion. Uh, there yeah. was like... Uh, so it was, it was a little bit, the payout was a little bit less, um, 
the cash line was a little bit less than uh, an actual double up, so it wasn't fifty five percent. It was probably like t- like a sixty or sixty five percent centile lineup um, got paid out, but those top few spots there was uh, a pretty decent payday up top. So everybody doubled up except those those top five or ten spots, and it was a it was a nice tournament to have some upside and also possibly double up. Yeah, and, and another thing you could do is if you're only playing um if you're, if you're playing mostly cash, you can take say you're you dedicated 80% of your cash games uh to say it's just head to heads. You could take 5 or 10% of that money and throw it in in some 3x, 5x, 10x contests and mm-hmm. and that adds a little bit of upside um as well. Uh but but yeah, those I mean, I think we're we're pretty much on the same page. Uh this next question also has, has something similar uh, to, to how you should manage um, cash games, but also a little bit of mix in terms of tournaments. But this one's talking about player pool. This comes from Joe, son of Joe. How large should your player... I, I've, I think he meant to say how large should your player pool be on DraftKings. Uh, I don't know why he said DraftKings specifically, but we'll stick it to DraftKings. If you're doing single entry, a cash game, and maybe a three max lineup. So it sounds like this is pretty similar to, to uh, I don't know what stakes this guy's playing, but similar to my preferred strategy, single entry cash and, and three max. If those are the tournaments you're entering, how large should your player pool be? Uh, really tight. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like if you're only playing five lineups, there you really don't need to manage exposure as much sure. as you would if if you you're playing 150 or even 100 or 50 uh right you're basically just yeah. making your cash lineup and then making um four or five more lineups of your favorite plays your favorite values maybe your favorite contrarian stacks um basically what i what i alluded to before uh, if you like one stack or two stacks then you could play those stacks with a, a couple of individual, maybe contrarian plays around them, or if you like a, a solid core of uh, individual plays, you could play those guys uh, in in those four or five lineups, rotate them around with uh, a couple of constri- contrarian stacks around them. But uh, honestly, I wouldn't worry about a player pool or how much of one player I have if if I'm entering uh, five lineups. Yeah, each week when you're uh, when you write up your your contrarian stack lineup, I, I believe your your intro paragraph alludes to the fact that uh, given the choice between the two, you'd rather hold on to a tight core and and have a couple stacks rotated with that tight core because it's just going to be easier to hit, right? Like if your core hits, all your lineups are going to do very well, and then whatever stack that lines up with, um, that that lineup is the one that's going to blow up. Whereas vice versa, if you're just trying to pinpoint all these obviously this is a little different we're talking about these low on plays but if you're trying to pinpoint five or six low on plays it's going to be really hard to do that and almost impossible right right i mean it just it's just when you when you step back and think about it it's common sense if mm-hmm. you are playing contrarian stacks and you get that stack right you're getting two three four players correct right. uh whereas if you're um, playing individual contrarian plays, those are four individual outcomes that you have to yeah. get right, as opposed to right. one. Yeah. So if we're going to to bring it back to this question specifically, this is almost exactly how I'm I'm playing um, every single week. I mean, I'll, I'll dabble in some multi entry, and and often I, I I'll play multi entry just to get over like the psychological hurdle of. Of, of missing out on some players that I really like, but my, the majority of my money is exactly this question that, that Joe son of Joe asks single entry cash game, and maybe a three max lineup. So my cash game lineup is often the lineup I put into the single entry, especially if it's a relative, relatively small field. And I think at the very least, if you're playing a single entry and a three max, what, whatever your favorite three max lineup is, that's the one that should probably go into the single entry. I don't, I don't think this strategy should be five different lineups. I think the optimal strategy here is probably to have three lineups, maybe four if the single entry and the three max are, are large fields. Uh, and then basically what I'm doing is, is what you said, but really zeroed in because I only have three bullets, right? So I'm taking pretty much my cash core, maybe one player that I can't get to say I'm on like a, um, I don't know, say I'm on a, a, a Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott toss up, but I can't, I can't fit them in the same lineup, rotate those players in between the three different lineups and then just put in three different stacks. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how I'd go about it. 
Uh, Michael underscore Dubner said on FanDuel specifically, are Julio and Christian McCaffrey's price tags interesting? Two guys we talked about not reflecting their touchdown expectation. Both can't fa- cash value based on yards alone, uh, but does their price and ownership pres- uh, percentage not reflect their medium outcome? So I, I think what he's asking in a roundabout way is are you worried about the touchdown equity when paying up for these players? Yeah, and that's basically kind of what we talked about before. In cash games, you have to look at, obviously, the scoring system. On FanDuel, 100%, uh, it worries me about those two. Not so much Julio, mm-hmm. because his his yardage has been, um, when he hits, pretty ridiculous. But yes, uh, without that PPR, uh, it, it's a risky proposition most weeks. This week, I think, in the two games that the both players are in, uh, it's a little bit less risky. There's a little bit less variance. And I think there is obviously some positive regression to come for mm-hmm. both players. And I think that's something that we can take advantage of this week is leverage the fact that they have um, not gotten into the end zone as much as, as we thought they would or as much as their expectation um, has presented itself for them this year. Yeah, I mean, just from, from a DFS uh, game theory perspective, even if you just strip away salaries, if you're looking for players that, that are going to hit high volume players that have been underperforming are just great DFS plays because they're going to be under owned because they're underperformance, but you're getting volume at a discount uh, to try to uh, give a, a little more detailed answer specific to this question. If, if price tags are reflecting touchdown expectations, I, I think it's probably a little dangerous to try to predict what uh, pricing al- al- algorithms are doing and why they're doing it. I I think the sites have both done a pretty good job of, of pricing relative to uh, what they expect popular plays to be. And that's why if we see an injury, their algorithm probably doesn't account for... Um, it definitely accounts for past performance, but if, if a running back's all of a sudden thrust into a starting role before pricing comes out, they're going to manually bump that player up uh, whenever they can. And, and they've, they've historically, especially this year, done that pretty well. But also, it's one of the dangers, I think, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but in using historical pricing and historical values as a primer to build your strategy for DFS and and we've done a lot of great work at 444 and other other analysts across the industry have done a lot of great work looking at at how uh different lineups are built based on salary but these pricing algorithms are are not static they're very fluid they're changing all the time and and like we see this week all of a sudden DraftKings is insanely tight pricing um so I think instead of trying to figure out uh, if the price tag is reflecting touchdown expectation, kind of get back to to the meat and potatoes of it and just look for value based on whatever you think the best projections are and throw in some game theory in terms of ownership. And I, I think you'll be all right. Uh, final question, probably the most important question we've ever been asked on this podcast <laughs> from at if I did stand up. If you're not drinking IPAs, what are your beers slash drinks of choice? Mm. Pat. What do you sip on? Are you an IPA guy? You, you know, no, I, I won't, no, no, I won't no, no. shame you. I won't Listen, shame you at all. Listen, here's the thing. I, I never was, right? And then <laughs> uh, a lady that I work with's husband, who I give some fantasy advice to, brought me back like these beers from Massachusetts that like people mm-hmm. pay like $90 for. They're supposed <laughs> to be like the best IPAs ever. And I hate IPAs. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the never IPA uh, bandwagon with you, but these were actually decent. So I have to say that I, I'm not like a, uh, a full fade on, IP, on IPAs. There, there's some that are mild that are okay, but I'm uh, to be honest, I, I like uh, sours, the Gose's. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of the Gose's? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of those. Victory has one. It's called Kirsch Gose. It's like cherry flavored. Um, but I think, and this is, I'm going to a wedding this weekend and I'm, I'm going to put this uh, to the test. 
it might I don't even, I don't even know I, I'm not sure on the ownership of this drink at, at weddings or at home or whatever <laughs> Tom Collins have you ever had a Tom Collins absolutely I'm I have a bartending background okay oh okay so I'm pretty up on the the cocktails gin club soda some sour mix some lemons uh I've drink oh, them all night have heartburn for three weeks and every wedding that's the GTO move is Tom Collins if you have never had one next wedding you're at Tom Collins yeah, or if you're that that's a great poolside drink in the middle of summer too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um obviously I I genuinely don't like IPAs. John John Lee from Football Guys actually sent me a a case of New England IPAs last year uh and they were very palatable. Um they weren't like the classic West Coast punch you in your mouth IPA and <laughs> I'm it's really funny because I assume like 99% of the people that, that come at me on Twitter about beer are, are trolling or having fun with me. But every once in a while, I'll get like a really vicious comment about about like how much like Bud Light or Miller Light sucks. And I, th- I think it's really funny that like some people I, – I think there's legitimately a group of people that aren't trolling that think there's only like shit American beer and then IPA. <laughs> but right. there's a lot of really good beer in between, and I like pretty much all of them. So if I'm if I'm uh, sitting down be- before a meal, or if I don't plan on heavily drinking, I'll I'll drink almost any beer. I, I love beer. Uh, if I'm really getting, if I know I'm gonna be getting after it, I'm shots of whiskey and bottle of high life just because the high life something to hold in your hand you can hold it in your hand and i like the bottle because you just sip it not spill it and 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 you're not getting pressured to to drink something else i mean if you're drinking eight ipas in a night like why don't you just move on to the whiskey Uh, (laughs) if i'm just hanging out uh sipping a cocktail i'm uh, i'm big bourbon mixed cocktails uh manhattans and um and and old fashions but if if i'm looking for some high-end stuff i'm i'm a scotch guy for sure yeah, great choices. Yeah. Well, hope you guys uh, enjoyed the, the drink takes, and feel free to send us any of those aforementioned beverages. If you haven't signed up for 4 for 4 yet, uh, like I said up top, use the promo code DFSMVP. You get 25% off our already discounted uh, DFS subscription, and you also get access to all the other subs. If you haven't yet, please go ahead and rate and review on iTunes. Gives you a chance to win a free T-shirt. Make sure that's a five-star review. You automatically be entered. And before we get out of here, Pat James, where could they find you? Uh, at Pat James DFS on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys next week. Party's retarded, wildin' like they wildin' my party Love all the skin, probably gotta like me Understand, you're about to lose your life Fuckin' with them